So I was, you may have noticed I was a little late, uh, a little running behind getting to the microphone today. Um, but would you like to know why? There's my, re- my reasons are twofold. Would you like to know why? I have a feeling that's something to do with something I'm not going to be able to eat, but okay. <laughs> well, yeah, that's one of them. Uh, so my kid's birthday party is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so I have made them cupcakes. Now, I don't know if you know, I certainly forgot. I used to actually have a, a cake business. Oh, I remember I used to uh, make custom gourmet cakes for people and just in my little kitchen. And it was a a good time. It's a skill that I I mean, with the pandemic, I just stopped doing it. Uh, So I reminded myself today that I've got mad skills. And so I am insufferably (laughs) smug right now because what would you like to hear about my kids' cupcakes? The cupcakes. I actually... I happened to log into Facebook. And I can't really know that, but you should really tell our audience. Uh, yeah. So you saw the pictures uh, because oh, yeah. I am I am that bitch. I take pictures of my cupcakes. Um, so both of them went for the chocolate cake because they are people of taste. Mm-hmm. But the older one uh, has chocolate cake with peanut butter buttercream and a Reese's peanut butter cup on top. I literally gained five pounds hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> just just hearing it in my ears, like my thighs have expanded, <laughs> and I want it in my mouth. <laughs> it's so fucking good seriously i also love butter. peanut butter so the buttercream is ridiculous i forgot oh, how how good it is um you. my little one their cupcakes are chocolate cake with dark chocolate ganache filling mm. in the middle vanilla buttercream on the top which my vanilla buttercream is fucking dreamy and uh and then on top of that blue raspberry sour patch kids <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's fucking decadent. It's gonna be so good. So decadent. Oh my god. I forgot I forgot I could do that stuff. I was fucking dancing in my kitchen today because I was like, oh shit. I forgot I am this bitch. Look at this. Look at these cupcakes. They're so good. So uh, just I guess my word of advice to the world is um if you have a skill that you have set aside because we've all been living in crisis mode for the last two plus years, go back and revisit it just a little bit. And remind yourself that you are, in fact, a badass. You know, you, you don't actually lose those skills. You don't actually lose that part of you. It's still there. And if it also happens to be fucking delicious, Yahtzee. <laughs> <laughs> Also distracted me and kept me from being to the mic on time, but we're here now. Here <laughs> how, we are. How are you? <laughs> well, speaking of forgetting about talents, um, I I mentioned <laughs> on on I mentioned in our other podcast that I've uh, uh, Stella got a groove back. Right. Um, so uh, you, you've been brown chicka bow bow. Yeah. Yeah. With uh, so there's a particular <laughs> a particular guy I am seeing. Um, mm-hmm. He's older. He's a very very uh, sexy man and. Yes, I did ping him stuff because in his uh, scruff profile, there is a tattoo of the Infinity uh, Stones. Nice. On his shoulder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. His very muscular uh, shoulder. Yeah, no, all of those things will translate <laughs> to, uh, hey, how you doing? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> anyway, 
So, uh, yeah, I was hanging out with him, and I remember I've been talking to him for a long time on the apps. He's super careful, super responsible. He didn't want to get together with anybody unless we got tested. Uh, if, good, good, good. In multiple ways, not just COVID. So mm-hmm. um, I finally got to hang out with him. And I didn't remember telling him about the podcast, but apparently he's been listening to our podcast. And oh, so, God, which one? Which one? Uh, uh, all of them. The, oh. Uh, this one and Dark Side Divas. Nice. Yeah. So he was like, you know, I have to say something. Um, oh, you're really hard on yourself about your voice. I enjoy you listening. Are. I enjoy listening to you. And then he pauses and then he says, but she does have a better voice. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, does, so does she ever come out to visit you? Cause she seems kind of hot. <laughs> and she is. Yeah. And thus I'm reminded he's bisexual and I'm like, Oh, you want to bane my co-host too? Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, do we have our first star fucker? Our podcast star fucker? I think so. I mean... I'm kidding. You seem lovely, sir. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you are. You are too hard on yourself about your voice. For sure. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, see? See, there you go. No compliments. No. Dodge. Roll. Do a barrel roll. Get out of it. No compliments. Right. Yeah. That, that's called that's called defense mechanism. What a yeah. No. No. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, right. Oh, hey. Do we? <laughs> would you like to introduce a show now? Well, it's only been 20 minutes. So let's fucking do it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back to Marvelous Divas, the podcast where a woman and a gay man express their opinions about Marvel and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is Stephanie. I'm the woman half of the show, and I made. Yeah. Cupcakes. There you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> it's a very sophisticated intro. Go ahead. Hi, hi everybody. I'm Chris. I am a avocado eating homosexual. Okay. <laughs> and Steph, huh. you're too easy. You need Peggy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. to touch it on a pillow. <laughs> that right there. <laughs> Uh, before we get into uh, what we are here to talk about today, I wanted to share with you, I had a little mini epiphany about Dottie. Oh. About our, our dear, our love, our, our favorite little psychopath, our dearest frenemy, Dottie Underwood. Yes. Um, so remember, Dor- Dorothy Underwood, um, remember uh, that we know as of uh, the season finale of season one of Agent Carter that Dottie was Ida. The dancer who uh, who dated Howard Stark, and she was a dancer. Right. Yeah? Okay. Uh, and if you remember, cast your mind way back uh, to, like, episode three-ish, I think is when she, she came into Agent Carter, when Dottie was introduced to Peggy by Miriam at the Griffith Hotel, she was introduced as a ballet dancer. Right. Like, that's... <gasps> Yeah, what do we know is definitely a core part of the Red Room Black Widow training. Ballet. Ballet. Oh shit. Yeah. Ah! That's why that's why she's so easily able to be a ballet dancer because bitch is trained. Yeah. There you go. Wow, Boom. that's so cool. Okay, that's all. That was that was my epiphany. <laughs> Hey, do you uh, have anything you want to talk about before we yeah, get into we, stuff? Yeah, we got reviews. We actually got reviews uh, for the first oh, wow. time in a while. Yeah. Okay, people, okay, okay. People, people love this podcast, too. Who knew? That's exciting. <laughs> and also, now you've reminded me that people are listening. And so, um, <clears throat> I'm uncomfortable. Go ahead. Well, we only got two, so don't don't freak out too much. All right. Okay. So, okay. Uh, ME15 wrote, 
Uh, okay. At, <laughs> I think I've at, heard that username before. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, at, didn't they leave us the review on Dark Side Divas? I don't remember. I'm sorry. Oh, that was wow. I've 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 taken a nap since then. Literally, that's true. That's true. You rebooted. <laughs> it's okay. Go on. Um, absolutely adore. Have been listening to their Star Wars podcast. Decided See? to switch switch over to Marvel, mm-hmm. and and I do not regret it a single bit. Thank God. I uh-huh. love. I love listening to, listening to the podcast for my entire nine-hour car drive today. Holy shit. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, that's intense. Good God. As a show encapsulated my love for Agent Carter, Sousa, and the Howling Commandos, and my oh. distaste for Thompson, cannot wait to go through the entire journey that that, that is the MCU with these two. Oh, oh, thank you so much. And that's a lot of driving. That you... is. Are you are you just like going out for milk in Texas? What's going on? <laughs> and there's a tornado. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Speaking of, so um, thank you to everyone on social media who expressed concern about, you know, me, the woman half of the show who is from Texas. Uh, and there was tornadoes uh, this past week that delayed our ability to release the last episode of Marvelous Divas because, you know, you need electricity for that. Um <laughs> It turns out, and I didn't have any electricity to get things moving. So um, we're fine. Everything's fine uh, here. How are you? And um, yeah, a quick, yeah. Fu- quick, funny story with that. This is how fucking nerdy. <laughs> there's a there's a funny tornado story. Yeah. Well, so you told me that you know you don't have any power. You're not going to be able to up, uh, get the episode uploaded. I'm like, okay, no right. problem. It's fucking. What are you going to do? It's a fucking tornado. Mm-hmm. My partner says, but does she have an internet connection? And I had to oh. be like. Um, hmm. honey, electricity is required for the internet. Yeah. Well, you could have a cell phone, blah, 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 he gets all grumpy at me. I'm like, no, 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 you need, you need electricity. Well, okay. <laughs> also, our cell reception was shit because yeah. multiple cell towers got knocked out. Yeah. So, but even then, like, no, the podcast file is too big to move around with my phone. I'm sorry. Right. I can't. I yeah. just fucking can't. Well, um, I, I have unlimited data. <laughs> okay. Anyway, sorry. I'm doing an impression. <laughs> uh, we have one more review, though. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is a short one. Uh, JD, mm-hmm. JD Fan says, what a fun podcast. Oh. This is a fun podcast deep diving into the MCU. The hosts are fantastic and are quite funny. I think you meant quite funny. Uh, definitely quite worth fu- don't, don't make fun of typos in the reviews I that, am dyslexic. that are kissing our I'm asses. sorry. I'm going to read what I see. I am okay, sorry. Go yes. on. No, you're fine. You go. go, go I, go, I go, make go. that same mistake all the time. So mm-hmm. don't worry about it. Anyway, definitely worth a listen. Thank you so much, JD fan. That was awesome. I really appreciate it. And y'all, just to let you know, uh, you can, if you... Uh, Listen to us on a podcast platform that lets you leave reviews or give ratings. Please give us all the good ratings because uh, we really would love to grow our audience. And that kind of stuff helps us uh, get found a lot quicker on uh, search sites. I did notice that when I searched uh, MCU podcasts recently that we're actually Mm -hmm. up on the first page. So that's really nice. That's really awesome. Hey. Um, So speaking of typos, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I I was texting with my kids and I tried to say got it. Uh oh. What's the most common typo with got it? Get it? Go tit. <laughs> and I'm sure your, your kids were giggling. <laughs> they thought that was the funniest fucking thing that had ever happened to anyone ever. And uh, because they're my children, they're not going to let it die. <laughs> they're not going <laughs> to. They're not going to, no, they ran in, they literally rubbed their phones in my face. Yeah, no, it was hilarious. Yeah, good times, good times. Go tit. Go tit. (laughs) I'm so proud. They're not going to let it die, and I couldn't be more proud. 
Good. Okay. Do we have anything else before we get into the episode that we are here to discuss? No, we have, we have a lot to talk about because we're not just talking about uh, any, old, any old Agent Carter episode. We're talking about the beginning of season two. Yeah, the season premiere. All right. So <clears throat> what we are doing on this podcast is we're watching through the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, the canon as best we can interpret it at this time. In chronological order, uh, which means that we started with Captain America, the first Avenger, and today we are starting season two of Agent Carter. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so it is season two, episode one, The Lady in the Lake. Dun, 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 dun. And I don't know, did you want to, do you have a previously on for the previous season or should we just get into it? I do, it? but it's very meta because I want to open the discussion with like pre-production stuff. Okay, you do you, baby. Okay. <clears throat> Agent Carter returns. Mm. After doing a media tour, Michelle Frazekas and Tara Butters promised fans a full-fledged <laughs> second season that would include more episodes, <laughs> giving time for character development. Instead, we get a mid-season premiere with a 10-episode season with a budget less than season one. How oh, will no. Peggy... <laughs> How will Peggy survive such a calamity? Where is Dottie? What has Agent Souza been up to since the events of Chief Dooley exploding? Being and sexy. why do the ABC studio execs suck, suck so much dick? <laughs> These questions and more <laughs> on today's episode of Marvelous Divas. So, yeah, so... Uh, wow, okay. I did a lot of research on the drama. The drama. Uh, very shortly after season one wrapped up, the producers, the showrunners, Michelle and Tara... Uh, we're Wait, a, they're the they're the showrunners because I thought that was Marcus and McFeely. One of them. There, there's a there's like if you look at the produce the executive producer list, um, there was like there's like twelve of them. Oh, good putting, times. Yeah, but they were the ones going out into the media and going, you know, Agent Carter should get renewed. We're going to get a fall premiere. We're going to have twenty seat, oh, twenty no. episodes, all this kind of stuff. And Haley Atwell was also out and about doing the same thing. Yep. Um, uh, in April, uh, ABC announced. All their fall lineup, there was no mention of Agent Carter. God damn it. By the end of May, they announced that Agent Carter will be returning. Uh huh. Mid season, 10 episodes. Uh huh. Now here's a. Here's it's such a, it, bullshit because it's such a good fucking show. Okay, I'm sorry. Go on. Now there's a there's a thing in Hollywood. There's a lot of terms for it, but my friend my friends call it the the billboard effect. You can tell uh, if a particular production company, movie studio, television studio, etc., uh, how strongly they feel about a certain project by the amount of billboards you see for said project around here in L.A. Mm. Um, and that is especially true um, uh, if you go to, like, a Disney theme park where you'll see Disney promoting its, like, visual media uh, stuff, like on Disney Channel, ABC, mm -hmm. etc. Um, I, I, w I went to micechat.com, which is a very popular Disney Disney theme park website, and there, okay. there are particular threads where actual media people go to measure how passionately Disney thinks about certain projects. Huh. So, for example, like when you had uh, Endgame come out, uh, you couldn't walk around downtown Disney here in Anaheim without seeing a Avenger somewhere up on a poster. Like it was oh, fucking okay. everywhere, right? Um, mm -hmm. For season one of Agent Carter, they had posters of her all over the ticket booths. Uh, the bar at Downtown Disney actually had an Agent Carter martini and oh, wow. an Agent Carter old fashioned, like all this kind of stuff. See, for season two, there was nothing for Agent what? Carter. What? Nothing. No mention of her whatsoever on the theme parks. What the fuck? Mm -hmm. This is such a good season. I don't. What? 
They, uh, you, you know, uh, I remember, I remember a show we we both liked back in the day, the uh, Terminator show. It was good. That show was the shit. That show was the shit. But when that shit got moved to Friday nights, you and I were like, "Oh fuck, they're oh, doomed. fuck, they, no, they, they, fu- they are doomed." Yeah, they they took it out behind the shed and shot it. That's yeah. all that was. Yeah, and that's kind of that's kind of how like the this season's gonna go. Like uh, Agent Carter didn't get a, get a lot of promotion, according to the stuff I found on the internet. Um, a lot of like diehard fans were complaining about that. Right. Um, and then you know, shortly after the resolution of season season two, they did a full court press just to get uh, a, another chance to, for season three. You had multiple showrunners saying, "Hey." Uh, you know, it's not always about the ratings. Sometimes having a property like Agent Carter that's a part of this bigger P- MCU puzzle right. is really significant. And the way the the way the show got canceled was a, a, a random ass ABC exec called one of the showrunners and said, "Hey, we're not doing it. Goodbye." And that's it. No discussion. What? No nothing. Yeah, that was it. Oh my god, what a fucking heartbreaker! No wonder. No wonder. Uh, what's her name? Haley Atwell has is still pounding the drum for this character. Because Absolutely. holy shit, what a fucking shitty deal. Fucking well, that's ABC. A, that's that's another thing I found. There is a hardcore cult following with the show. Good. Uh, more so... They I should would, listen to our podcast. Right? Where are they? <laughs> <laughs> more so, I, I think, than actually Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. There are... Um, there was a, a tremendous, like... Uh, there's a lot of analytical data on social media supporting that. Um you know, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show was cheaper to produce for various reasons. Uh, you know, it's not a period piece. That's a helpful mm-hmm. thing. But also, mm-hmm. like, a lot of the a lot of the stars in the show didn't have to be as highly paid as, say, a Haley Atwell, who was, mm-hmm. at this time, being pr- uh, primed to be, like, a main character of multiple television shows. She was getting paid a lot of money to do other TV shows, or starting right. to. So, you know, there's that. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's unfortunate. But... I also believe this is why we're starting to get more Agent Carter stuff now. We're we I think I think the Captain Carter episode in Marvel What If mm. caused uh, started a conversation and it really did. Yeah. yeah, and the fact that we're seeing some hints that we could be getting a Captain Carter in the near future uh, via Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. um, you know, at least that's what I'm hoping for. I think it's going to happen. I think I think we're going to have a Captain Carter sooner rather than later. And I think I think you may be right because um, now that you know a lot of people, uh, a lot of people are really uh, derogatory about the Disney purchase of of Marvel and the MCU and all that. But Disney Disney has a thousand foot view. <clears throat> They've got they play the long game. Yeah. With these things because they can. Because when you're when you are reclining on a giant pile of money like Scrooge fucking McDuck, you can do that. You can just be like, sure, throw money at it. Let's see. Let's see how this plays out. And so, um, you know, they did that with the Disney Plus shows. Uh, WandaVision was a gamble because it was such a weird premise, right? Um, And the what if, as as fun as what if was, I I I absolutely believe that they were using what if as a way to sort of soft launch different concepts and see how the fan base reacts. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. And so there was a lot of very positive reaction to Captain Carter. So let's do that. Let's go there. Yeah, I mean, people, people, a lot of people don't understand how significant uh, these streaming platforms are for companies mm. trying to figure out what to create next. Because in the in 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 our time, and back in the day, you had focus groups, but focus groups right. was like a very ineffective way to figure out how to make a movie and. 
You know, mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes some really amazing projects got turned into fucking trash because the people they picked for the focus group provided really bad feedback. Right. Um, that uh, movie studios and television studios don't have to guess anymore. They know mm-hmm. exactly which what shows people are watching down to like the the minute of right. like like are they watching certain pieces of an episode? You know, all that data gives mm-hmm. them a better idea of what to create. And you know, the Captain Carter episode did really well, apparently. Right. Because it was fucking awesome. It was fucking badass. Which reminds me, at some point we need to figure out when we're going to cover What If. Eh, later. (laughs) Eh, later. That's that's tomorrow's problem. (laughs) Not for today. (laughs) Not for today. You know, Um, uh, yeah, so... We, Steph and I also just watched Spider-Man, and we've been getting the questions like, what about the Netflix oh, yeah. shows, blah, blah, blah. That shit's no going to happen home. later, y'all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we we have a tentative plan. I think a lot is going to depend also on how Multiverse of Madness plays out. Yeah, I as agree. How we how we handle the whole continuity of of all of the shit. But look, we're nowhere near there right now. We're in season two of Agent Carter. We're in 1947. (laughs) We have time to figure it out. I hope. (laughs) Okay. So um, real quick. Did you have anything else? That's the the production drama of what's the table for the rest of the show. Really excellent information, and we'll definitely uh, provide some perspective on the yeah. rest of us. Good job, Heather. Good job. I know. I never do anything, though. You're just, so just smart. <laughs> <laughs> Not just a pretty face, this one. Okay. Um, so for production, uh, this episode, The Lady in the Lake, is directed by Lawrence Trilling. Uh, Lawrence Trilling has uh, done all of his work in the 2000s. And I think that's relevant. We talked about this a lot in the last season about how the 90s directors, um, <clears throat> the style doesn't really translate well into Agent Carter. And so here we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lawrence Trilling is a 2000s director. Uh, he's worked on Felicity, Scrubs, Alias, Masters of Sex, and Parenthood. So that's quite a range. That is quite the range. <laughs> a, lot of, uh, a lot of ABC shows and Showtime shows. It's kind of interesting. There you go. Yeah. Um, and this episode is written by Brant Engelstein, uh, who was one of the writers on the Blitzkrieg Button episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Okay. Uh, shall we get into the show? Let's do it. We are starting off. Agent Carter had a giant previously on because, again, I guess because it was a mid-season, they, they assumed more time had passed. So we really need to update and remind the audience. What the fuck happened before? Yeah, I mean, season two airs a, a, a little bit over a year later in real time yeah. than previous season. So, yeah, people, some audiences needed to be reminded. Also, they they were thinking a lot of people hadn't seen season one. Oh, yeah, you may be right. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's a very detailed and lengthy. Very... Um, <laughs> lengthy it was like the first half Um, of the episode (laughs) yeah (laughs) the previously on was a lot but anyway we get past that and we get oh my god what season are we watching is this last season with that intro because here's a beautiful brunette in a blue suit and a red hat walking through a sea of men in gray suits on the street is it is this the season one premiere right or is it the season two i'm so confused (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so uh brunette in red hat uh walking away from the camera this time but still against the current of of men in gray so we still have that imagery that very empowering imagery going on uh she walks into a bank yep i love i love this so much 
So up to the bank teller, and the bank teller is like, will this be a, a deposit or a withdrawal? And then the camera pans up, and we see that this brunette, brunette? Brunette. <laughs> this, this, this brunette is not the Peggy Carter that we were expecting. Oh, no. No. It's Dottie Underwood. <laughs> and she holds up a gun. She's making a withdrawal because this bitch is here to rob the place. And it's like, wait, does, is this bitch hard up for money? What happened? Did she get cut off from <laughs> Leviathan? What's going on? What's going on? Why is she here? And she's got a crew with her. And they're yeah. all like managing everybody else in the bank. Uh, but no, she's after one thing. Mm-hmm. She's after a safety deposit box in the vault. And this, and then, and then um, uh, so a uh, real quick background. I am uh-huh. uh, drinking. Remember that really gross yogurt probiotic cranberry yes. drink? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I have a whole cup full of that while I'm watching this part, right? Mm-hmm. So Dottie, Dottie gets up to the safe and uh-huh. opens the safe because she's uh-huh. awesome. And, well, no, she she makes the, the oh, bank yeah. people open the safe. Oh, yeah, yes. they do that whole thing where she's like, oh, and don't turn it to the left because you'll activate the alarm and then I'll have to kill you. <laughs> yeah, she, <I'm> like, <laughs> she she clearly knows her vault or whatever. But okay, yeah, she yeah. the vault is opened. And there's fucking Peggy Carter <laughs> with a fucking shotgun. With a fucking shotgun. And my, my drink spills all over the floor. <laughs> I paused the I paused the episode and spent the next forty five minutes cleaning my fucking floor because you are covered in probiotic and you have to clean that up. You can't yes. let that sit; it's going to grow. Right, <laughs> it's going to become a person. Right, it's, gonna... it's culture. <laughs> That's awesome. <sighs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's an SSR ambush. It's not just Peggy in the vault. It's also Thompson. He's back in the lobby. Uh, there's SSR everywhere. They are there. They have. They knew this was coming, and they have caught Dottie. Maybe, except that first we have to have fight about it. We have to. Have, we have to do some real hot girl shit fighting, which was fucking awesome. It was so good. Uh, this was unlimited dings on the Peggy Carter impromptu weaponry counter for uh, there, both yeah, of them. There were, there were coins being thrown. Uh, she finally took her out with a bag of coins, which, by the way, fucking hurts. It was such a good shot, too, because she, like, clocked Dottie up the back of the head with, like, a bag of quarters, and there was a slow motion and, like, a spray of coins in the air. It was such a good fight. And then she gets Dottie on the ground and starts handcuffing her and goes, Love the hat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was so hot. It was so great. Um, And it's like, Boom. Yes, bitch. This is the bad bitch show. These women are incredibly dangerous. And we're going to remind you of that. Because Peggy won't just punch you. She will grab a handful of rolled up quarters into her fist and then punch you. Oh, shit. I love it. Oh, shit. Ah, amazing. Um, So anyway, that's the end of that scene. And then we cut to L.A., Hey, hey girl, hey. Hey. 1947 L.A., so the Hollywood sign is Hollywood Land still. Oh, okay. Um, But I will point out, this is 1947. Yeah. Last season ended in May of 1946. Right. So it's been many months. Uh, Six months, according to the show notes. That's not how math works, though. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because it says in Wikipedia. Because it's fucking summer. They're in the middle of a heat wave in L.A. Well, okay. It has been well well more than six months. Well, uh, actually, in fairness, 
um, you know, you think Texas weather is fucked up. You could have a heat wave at any point of the calendar year in Southern California. Oh, okay. Uh, for example, I believe it was last Thanksgiving we had 95 degree Fahrenheit weather. That's fucked up. It's LA. That's weird. Okay. Yep. But it's a dry heat. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so who who's in LA, Chris? A- Agent Souza, and he finally got some gay friends because I love what he's wearing. <laughs> oh, my God. No, he doesn't have gay friends, but we will get to who's dressing him. Oh, yeah, these yeah, days. yeah. He's got a tan. Uh-huh. He's looking very nice. No tie. His his uh, shirt. It's a, clearly L.A. is significantly more casual than New York. Oh, yeah, for here sure. Here in the 40s. Um, he's got like a nice light linen suit thing going on, and there's mm-hmm. like a tropical print shirt underneath it, but not loud. It's very classy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I say that because I may have watched him walk into this scene a few times because i couldn't hear anything because he's there to talk to a homicide detective i couldn't hear a thing that man said over the exposed hollow at the base of Souza's throat with his open <laughs> collar that was the loudest thing in the room for me it took me a minute yeah, yeah. it's really hot <laughs> he's he looks great la yeah. agrees with him yeah, so let's let's quickly talk about the LA thing. Oh, okay. I, I believe I believe one of the key reasons why so noir is associated like the the noir genre is associated usually with like metropolitan areas and right. and the three metropolitan areas that were written about the most was New York, Chicago, and Los Angeles. Uh-huh. Uh, probably more so Los Angeles because of the amount of film and cinema uh, that where you know, obviously LA and Hollywood, blah blah blah. But mm-hmm. a lot of most of the movies took place in LA too, so that's where that kind of comes from. But I also do think that they were trying to figure out ways to cut costs. If they yeah, could, that's what I was thinking too. If they could use LA, and they did, like hardcore, uh, mm-hmm. then they would they wouldn't have to pay for the backlot sets and all that kind of shit all the time, right? Yeah. Although I did find a note about the the scene in the vault. Uh, so the bank that was actually filmed on location in a bank, but yes. the the scene where they get back to the vault that was on a soundstage, and so they built this whole fucking vault to have this big ass fight in, uh, and everything. And then they get late in production in the episode after they've already struck that set, it's down. They've moved on to other things, and somebody in production was like, "You know what? We need to like zhuzh up the vault scene. Can we film some more of that?" So they had to rebuild the whole fucking vault again. God damn it. I know. That was like half the budget for the whole season, you assholes. Well, apparently, because uh, did you, I mean, we'll talk about it. I guess we can talk about it now. Like, for example, yeah. when Sousa goes to the Los Angeles SSR office, doesn't it look like almost the same as the New York one? Yeah, just sunnier. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's the same fucking set. They just changed yeah. a bunch of stuff, yeah. It's just got better lighting. They just <laughs> opened the blinds, <laughs> which, you know? Which, that's fine, you know. Yeah, sure. Or maybe the SSR just has the same interior decorators for everything. Sure. 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 Okay. Anyway, so Sousa arrives at in a park. It is a beautiful sunny day in a park. Echo Park. And, um, okay. Is that is that a thing? Yeah, that's a huge thing. Yeah, this is going to be an ongoing thing uh, as we discuss this season is I don't know shit about L.A. <laughs> um, I know. But this, this show is showing L.A. some love. 
Oh, absolutely. That's why. That's one of the place. reasons why I love this episode so much. I was like, oh it's my so god. It's so good. Oh my god, Echo Lake. Oh my god, Griffith Park. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> It'd be like, for me, if it was set anywhere in Texas, I'd be like, oh, that's boring. Why we, Why was this here? I, <laughs> why isn't this set in LA? You don't, anyway. you don't gotta, you don't gotta be pride. No, I don't. Anyway, so, um, so yeah, he's, he's crutching up and he's got a cop, a very sweaty, sneezy, sickly, Gross. Apparently, cop. He's he's gross, and we're supposed to not to not like him. Who goes? Are you the science cop? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because remember, strategic scientific reserve. They are in fact the science cops. They are. Yeah. That's really funny though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this detective, it is uh, Detective Andrew Henry. Uh, he is played by an actor by the name of Sean O'Brien. He's a TV that guy. Yeah. He's got he's done a lot of little roles all over the place in TV. Uh, and that's it. I, I don't want to talk about him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, Detective Henry is uh, is an L.A. homicide cop, and he's like, uh, is he, he is he confused why Susan's there, or did he call him in? He called him in. Right, I, I don't remember. I got the impression that the higher ups of the LAPD called him in, and he's okay. just there. He's just supposed to deal with it. Yeah, that's right. Because the detective is like, "Look, I don't know why they called you in because uh, I know that this is a serial killer that I've been chasing for a while." Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. The lady in the lake killer has never been caught. He dropped two women's bodies in this same lake that we have found another woman's body in. So I know who it is. So I'm not even sure why you're there, uh, but. It is the hottest day of the year, and um, so the lake is frozen. Right. It's frozen. <laughs> the body of the woman that they found is literally in a giant body-sized ice cube. Yep. And uh, a fun fact, uh, Echo Lake is not deep at all. It's a man-made lake. It's a, in a right. park. So that water is generally extremely warm year-round. So right. for it, that, 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 that lake to freeze is, pretty, is something. It's fucking weird any yeah. time of year. Right. Uh, but particularly today. And so, yeah, Sousa is stuck with this guy as a partner to work on this case until they catch the lady in the lake killer. Damn. <laughs> okay. But meanwhile, back in New York, the sexiest scene ever is trying right? to happen, but they, can't, they won't quite let it happen. I know. Ugh, Peggy is interrogating Dottie. Oh, my God. This is the first time Peggy is talking to Dottie, other than the fight that they had last season. Well, uh, this is the first time she's talking to her, knowing that she's a fucking assassin. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean. Talking to talking to Russian spy Dottie. Right. And not Iowa Dorothy Dottie. from Iowa. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Peggy's looking for Russian spy intel stuff, right? Yeah. Like, uh, Peggy's trying to explain to Dottie, I'm not fucking afraid of you. And Well, th- yeah, she, like, unhandcuffs her. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not afraid of you. Yeah, and that's and legit. She's not. No, she's not. And Peggy's like, okay, um, well, whatever. And so, you know, Peggy's trying to get something out of her. And she's not budging. And ultimately, Dottie finally says something like, uh, Peg, we both know that there are currencies stronger than money. Which right, is, because, suggests that there's something bigger. Right, because Peggy is specifically asking about what Dottie was there to steal. Right. In a safe deposit box, there's this weird little tie pen. With yeah. like a V or an A, I guess, or it's a lapel pen. Um, I have no idea how you're supposed to interpret this symbol. I don't either. But there's, 
there's like a little symbol on it. It's a little pin. And so she's like, why are you, why were you trying to steal this? And and she's like, well, that's the currency. So there are some currencies stronger than money. What could we possibly be talking about? It's, I don't know. Meanwhile, in the observation room, Peggy has groupies now, apparently, in the SSR. <laughs> because <laughs> these two, like, fanboys, they're like, man, if anybody's going to break Dottie Underwood, it's going to be Peggy. And Thompson hears that, and he's real pissy about it. Yeah, but they're not wrong. <laughs> I know. That's why he's pissy about it. Yeah. <laughs> he's so threatened by Peggy. Don't you think Thompson looks like 10 years older? Yeah, well, he's the chief of the the New York Bureau now. And so I that kind of position will age a man. I guess so. But yeah, he, he, he doesn't look as good as he did before, in my opinion. And also he's making grumpy faces. Oh, that's a true. A lot of grumpy faces. Because he's being a shit. Anyway, he gets... He gets a phone call uh, from Chief Souza of the L.A. Bureau. What? Yeah. Souza left, apparently, to go start up the L.A. Bureau of the uh, SSR, and he's the chief out there. He's the boss man. Well, in fairness, there's a lot of weird shit in L.A., so why not? <laughs> why not? Um, but Souza's like, look, Jack, I'm understaffed. Uh, I just got like a weird serial killer, bizarro, frozen person in a lake case dropped on my lap. Uh, could you send me some somebody? Send me a guy to help me out here. Because because <laughs> I, I need somebody who's not so green. Like he's got everybody in his office is new. Right? Yeah, right. So Thompson's like, I have just the man for you. Uh-huh. While he's looking through the window into the interrogation room where Peggy is. God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. So Thompson pulls Peggy out of the interrogation room and she's pissed about it. Uh, yeah, because she's like, I know her best. I can break her, blah, blah, blah. Um, mm-hmm. and, but but Thompson does get a good zener on her. Uh, you know, Peggy's claiming that she knows her all this stuff. And Thompson's like, yeah, but you, she lived right next to you. And I right. didn't even know that she was a spy. So, ding. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Um, anyway, he tells her, you're off the Dottie Underwood case. I'll take over interrogating her from here. And she's like, Jack, she's not scared of you. Nope. But okay. <laughs> and he's like, look, Sousa called for backup. He asked for you specifically. Lies. Liar. But Peggy, that makes Peggy like blink for a second. She's like, oh, really? So what happened? What happened with her and Susa last time we saw them? Susa asked her out and she was like, oh gosh, I actually literally can't. But she was all smiles and yeah. like nothing, nothing happened there. I guess not. What? But, but I shipped them so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so invested. Okay, fine. Um, Peggy, and had, Peggy had a, a romantic uh, getaway with the vial of Captain America's blood and had to do that first. I, guess. <laughs> I don't know. Ew. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so she's all surprised. She's like, oh, Sousa asked for me. And Thompson's like, it's a real burden being everybody's favorite agent, isn't it? And Peggy says, if this is about your insecurity, Chief Thompson, then I suggest you deal with it in your own time. Wow. <laughs> uh, she's like, don't fucking sabotage the Dottie investigation. This is, we finally have her. Yeah. Yeah. Don't sabotage it because you're jealous of Peggy. But like, of course God. he's going to sabotage it. Of course he is. Of course he is because he's an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Fucking prick. Anyway, Peggy is being sent and we get uh, a quick, you know, the that old timey interlude to show that somebody's traveling. The, where uh, like, the Indiana Jones map thing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> where like the red line is going over the map, but this is What's 1940s. More- What's more noir than that, by the way? I love that. It's so cool. Yeah. And uh, 
because it's 1947, though, she makes a lot of stops. Yeah. Because planes can't go that far. No. Yeah. Again, I had that lecture where it was explained to me (laughs) that she would have had to have made four stops. And uh, I did LOL at the TWA plane, by the way. That's it. Oh. Because it, it was it's one of those airlines that are like old school associated with Nor all kind of stuff. Oh, okay. um, yeah. So she gets off, uh, uh, but she does land at Burbank Airport. Um, mm-hmm. Beautiful downtown Burbank. Beautiful downtown Burbank, only a couple blocks away from where all the movie studios do all their productions. <laughs> hey. And, and okay. Jarvis is there. Jarvis is there to pick her up, and he's standing what? there. In a full tweed suit, L.A. has done nothing to change his fashion. He's holding an umbrella, and okay, but can we talk about how fucking cute Peggy looks? Oh my god, right? I have that in my notes, too. With she, her with her fucking adorable bright red sunglasses? She's gone full Hollywood already. She's oh not even my there. God. She's not oh even my there. God. Nobody, by, in what world, by what right does she look that fucking good after traveling for that long? It's not fair. Nobody looks that good getting no, off a plane. Nobody, Peggy nobody. Carter, Mayama. I am offended. <laughs> yeah. Even though pl- planes were much more luxurious back then, like you actually had room to sit in and all that shit, but still, it's like, God. Lord. Anyway, anyway so Jarvis is there to pick her up. It is the reunion of this adorable little dream team. And uh, they are walking towards the car, and Peggy's like, so, quick question. I just, I just wanted to know, and Jarvis is like, it's the flamingo, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) He has a flamingo in a cage in the back seat of the convertible that he's driving. Yeah. The flamingo's name is Bernard. What? Okay. Howard Stark is building a menagerie in one of his properties. That's why Jarvis is there, because Howard has taken up residence in L.A., and Jarvis is setting up the household, and one of the things that Howard wants in his household is a variety of animals, I guess, and so Bernard Stark, the flamingo, will be joining the menagerie. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It was really cute, though. Anyway, uh... We do find out that Howard is in L.A. He um, He's making movies now. Sure. I mean, why not? If you uh, just have oodles of money and you're done making weapons for the military, I guess you just start making movies. Yeah. Okay. Sure, Jan. I, I, <laughs> more, more likely he's working with, um, you know, because a, a lot of the advanced technology research for weaponry... Uh, did get moved out to the West Coast, specifically Nevada and Arizona. Um, and I suspect that probably he's involved with that, mm-hmm. you know, because he can't get away from that, quite frankly. And I think and, he can't. I think he's trying desperately to distract himself from inventing shit. Probably. Because the last time he invented shit, it was in the midnight oil. Okay. Oh, my God. Like, it didn't go well. <laughs> he murdered a lot of people indirectly. And so uh, I think he is right now, he's like taking a break from all of that by indulging in thinking he's Cecil B. DeMille. Right. Okay. Sure. Um. Anyway, Jarvis is like, hi, so Peggy, I'm going to drive you around. Please, please let me, let me drive you around because I'm bored. Yeah. And I want to go on adventures again. Okay. Yeah, and while he's explaining this to her, by the way, y'all, they are driving through the world-famous Griffith Park, which is the main park in the L.A. area. It's very beautiful. L.A. Zoo is there. Uh, Gene Autry Museum is there. The Griffith Observatory is at the top of the mountain. It's a very classic place that gets used a lot for film. 
I think we're going to see this area a lot in this season. There are so many TV shows that if they're filmed in L.A., when they're going driving through a forested area, they're in Griffith Park. There you go. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's used a lot. (laughs) Jarvis fucking hates L.A. It's hot. The trees are weird. He doesn't like it here at all. Um, But anyway. We eat avocado with everything he says, which is true. Yes. And that's because, and yes, (laughs) Because our fucking avocados are good. We can't make brisket with the fuck, but we can sure have avocados. So there we go. (laughs) It's the same thing, right? No. It's not. No. Anyway, he ends up, he pulls up in front of a place and he's like, are you sure this is where you want to go? And it's the Auerbach Talent Agency. Yeah. Does that street look look uh familiar to you why would it it's the same fucking set they use for the new york set in, in, in season <laughs> no, one no but it's much sunnier and it's filmed from a different angle okay sure. well you just embrace it sure <laughs> uh they're filming once again on the warner brothers back lot once again this is the same exact street that's used in wandavision uh uh, uh falcon winter soldier and so many other shows so there you go it's a very versatile street. It's very Okay, versatile. so the Auerbach Talent Agency. We get inside, and who should be working there watching two girls tap dance their asses off in an audition but Rose? I love her so fucking much. Fucking Rose! The, we the, love Rose. Her face sold the, the scene for me. She was oh like, God. what the fuck am I seeing right now? <laughs> <laughs> the lovely and talented Leslie, Bl- Leslie Boone is bringing us Rose back to life uh, again. She's the front door guard dog of the SSR and apparently Sousa scooped her up and brought her with him when he went to LA uh, Rose loves it uh, she kicks the dancing girls out and she's like I don't know how they keep finding us <laughs> we're not listed this this sign isn't even legible uh, nobody can find us and yet they keep doing and you know what fucking yeah of course they do actors walking down the street they see the word agency you're going to see them they're yeah. coming to your lobby that's how it is yeah, yeah, because this is the era where people will pack their bags and make it to Hollywood, so they'll go out here and do all so kinds of So they can be discovered. Yeah. yeah, that doesn't work that way. <laughs> so, but is this a talent agency, Chris? Of course not. It is a front no. for the new LASSR office. Yes. <laughs> and Rose takes Peggy back to the filing room, uh, finds the little handle, turns it, lets Peggy in, and Peggy's like, so how is, um, how's everything? And Rose just gives her a look and goes, Everything is through the first door on your right. You can't miss him. Mm-hmm. Because she knows what's she up. She knows, she yeah. She knows what's up. I like to think, I had canon in my brain space, that all of the uh, the phone operator girls back in New York at the phone company, quote-unquote phone company, all shipped Peggy and Sousa real hard. Yeah. Like, that they wanted those two crazy kids to make it. Well, because we, we had canon that, you know, they, they probably did have a real job where they were passing communications between maybe different SSR cells or something like Possibly, that. Possibly, yeah. So they probably get all the gossip, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, they would have. With these two beautiful people, these two wonderful, uh, talented, competent agents that obviously are crazy about each other. Come on. If I worked in that office, I would do everything in my power to like trip them and make them fall on each other or something. Yep. But I'm a meddler, so <laughs> that's me. <laughs> you are. Anyway, um, so Peggy goes in. Uh, she finds Sousa. He looks great. Uh, she's like, hi. And he's like, fuck, are you doing here? Yeah, Sousa is shocked to see her. Yeah. A little more shocked than I would expect to be. I, expect him to, I expected him to be happy about it. Right. He doesn't mm. look thrilled. I wonder. Uh, 
something's up with these two. Right. Uh, she Peggy looks nervous. She's like taking deep breaths and stuff, walking up to him. Uh, he is stunned to see her. And she very quickly deduces that Jack fucked her over here. Uh, Thompson lied. Sousa didn't ask for her, but here she is anyway. So, okay. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> but, surprised that she was surprised by that, though. I, you know, I think she just, she just really wanted it to be true. Because the first thing she, she says after they figure that out, she's like, I, I called you. I left you messages. Why didn't you ever, you ever call me back? Awkward. Yeah. And Sousa says, because sometimes a three hour time difference feels like a lifetime. Buddy, you're telling me trying to get, trying to record podcasts with Stephanie on a two hour time difference is fucking brutal. And anyway, in my notes, it just says in all caps, OMG, just kiss already. I'm dying over here. I love them so much and I want them to smush their faces into each other's faces. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, I think aren't they interrupted by the detective? Of course, of course they are. So yeah, oh, yeah. This so guy. Detective Henry shows up and he's like, <laughs> "I didn't actually hear a fucking thing he said because I'm just like, why is he sweating so much? Why well, is he glistening? That is maybe gross. it's gross. He keeps saying he has a cold. And look, maybe I don't. Re- I don't remember being as disturbed by the amount of sneezing and coughing he's doing. Uh, the first time I watched through this, but this time I'm like, oh my god! I know, me too. I'm like, Does he this has got have to COVID? stop. Yeah, I, this it's definitely a pandemic reaction. I'm like, he's got to go away. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, so they give Peggy a quick rundown of what they're um, what they're up against, which is, and the detective is determined. This is the lady in the lake killer. This is absolutely 100 percent my serial killer. Blah, blah, blah. And Peggy's like, okay, well, um, then why is the lake frozen? We don't know. All right. So then the first thing we need to figure out is, is the body even connected to the fact that the lake is frozen? Well, they say something like, what, did, what would Chief Dooley say? And I'm like, Chief Dooley would tell you to fetch him some coffee, Peggy. Why yeah. the fuck are you putting his <laughs> He would either tell you to fetch him some coffee or he would make you swear to catch the people that killed him. Those are the things. Those yeah. are, he's, there's a, he's a wild pendulum, that Chief Dooley, but... He's dead. Anyway, so they want to go. First thing is to investigate the body, right? So for that, you need an autopsy. Right. So. There's a problem doing an autopsy on a body that's completely frozen. Completely frozen. Not a little bit frozen. Totally frozen. 100%. So they get to the medical examiner uh, who says, look, I haven't done the autopsy yet because I can't cut into her. She's frozen. Um, But I did find a couple of things. One, she's got multiple stab wounds. And her shoes were switched. Like, right shoe was on left foot, left shoe was on right foot. Yeah. And the detective is like, "Uh uh-huh, see, told you. That's our killer. Because that is a detail that we never released to the papers. Huh. That right there. So it's totally the lady in the lake killer. Okay. And he's very insistent about it. He is a little too insistent, but we'll get to it. Also, the the medical examiner's like, oh, yeah, one more thing. (laughs) By the way, this room is freezing. There's multiple heat units in this room trying to thaw this body out. It's not working, and they are visibly chilled. Right. Everybody in this room. Because the body's giving off so much... I don't cold. Know, cold, I guess. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> the opposite of hot. It's oh my god! Cold. Yeah. So anyway, so the body is super, super cold, and then the medical examiner turns off the light switch. The she's glowing. 
fucking glowing. The corpse is glowing. And Peggy, wait, wait, she waits a whole second before she says, get a chisel. <laughs> yeah, because we're going to chisel off a sample of her and right take that now. back to the SSR lab. Right, which doesn't <laughs> love- really work. <laughs> well, no, it did. They take the sample back and they get it uh, analyzed by Dr. Sam Burley. And uh, he's just, you know, you know, the SSR has eggheads. They are the science cops. So there's a cop half and there's a science half. This is the science half. And basically, uh, he's super pouty. He's like, you guys never invite me out for drinks, whatever. Um, but he basically says, blah, 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 science, blah. Like, I didn't catch any I of this shit. I didn't understand a fucking thing. But Peggy understood it. And yeah. thank God she's there to explain it to the rest of us. Basically, our victim was at some point near a particle accelerator. Like you do, apparently. (laughs) But here's the thing. In 1947, there's not that many particle accelerators. Right. So so where do they have to go to look for a particle? Well, they can either go to the Manhattan Project particle accelerator in New York or wherever it is. Oh, my God. What? Nothing. What are you oh, my Godding? It was in Nevada. I don't know things. <laughs> Girl, I'm pretty. I don't need to know shit. <laughs> I have boobs. <laughs> I have to know that. I'm kidding. Thank you. I couldn't remember where they said it was, and I don't know my Manhattan Project history very well. I have a degree in theater. Everybody can fuck off. Yeah. You want me to quote Shakespeare for you right now? I could do that. Yeah, that's going to that's gonna help. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> this is, this right doesn't here, have right anything now. to do with Shakespeare. Anyway, so... Isodyne Energy mm-hmm. is a company located in Pasadena. Right. Which is a city in the California area? Yeah, it's in the valley. Like, oh my god, okay. the valley. San Fernando Valley. Uh, like, as in Little Old Lady from Pasadena? Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. And, and the joke they made, they make in this episode, uh, driving to Pasadena from LA takes an hour. That's correct. That is absolutely correct. Even though, distance-wise, it should only take 30 minutes... The way the freeways are laid out with the traffic, even back then, it's going to take an hour. Yeah, even Jarvis was bitching about the drivers and the traffic. Absolutely. Apparently, that's that's just a thing that we're going to do now. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, one more thing I'll say about L.A. Uh, in this <laughs> It's <laughs> so cute that it's only going to be one more thing. That's adorable. Right. Um, with a, When it comes to L.A., uh, especially if you go on the freeways, it's not a matter of if you're getting in a car accident. It's a matter of when you're getting in a car oh, accident. Oh, fun. Yeah, it's very dangerous at... So many shitty drivers. Anyway. Okay. Okay. Yay. Cool. <laughs> anyway, so they go to Isodyne Energy where they meet the Stepford wife receptionist. She was psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, do they have she another had the daughter? biggest, <laughs> biggest, fakest smile. She's like, how can I help you? And they're like, yeah, we want to get in and look around. She's like, do you have a warrant? No. Okay. Well, then how can I help you? <laughs> like, <laughs> she knows that they she can't get rights. in there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Peggy's like, okay. Um, I'm going to use the potty. Can I use your restroom? Where is it? Is it right over there? Cool. So she fakes a quick trip to the bathroom. Sousa catches the, the cue and he starts flirting with the receptionist. Oh my, which that, that, um, that would work on me. Um, okay. When Sousa decides to turn on the charm, my pants fall off. <laughs> Everybody's pants fall off. I, I like that they reversed the the sexy person trope from it being a, yeah. a woman to a man. I like, and I want more of that, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That was that was uh, absolutely. 100%. In fact, I would like a VR program 
based oh, on flirting with Sousa. Yeah, <laughs> that would be nice. Of just of just Sousa asking me like how long I've been working here, <laughs> stuff like that. So and it works. Her little Stepford wife shell cracks, and she's like, um. So how can I help you, though? <laughs> like, yes, ma'am. Anyway, Peggy bumps into a scientist or whatever, gets a hold of his badge. She gets back into the labs and she's starting to poke around. Did you notice everybody's staring at her because she's a gorgeous fucking woman walking around in this lab? I mean, yeah, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, one of the doors opens and then a beautiful man steps fucking out. Amazing. Get your hands off my man, Heather. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and... And I have him in my notes as gorgeous black wine genius man. (laughs) So we'll get to that. Um, But he's a beautiful black man with a stunning smile. And he turns to her and instead of hello or who the hell are you, he just points at her and goes, do you want to be thunderstruck? So side side story. Oh, Um, I misinterpreted the word struck. What did you hear? I thought he said, so do you want to be thunderfucked? And I was like, yes, right now. Oh, wait, that's not, that's not is, that couldn't possibly what they said. This is ABC. Really? I know, I know, Thund- I know. You know what it is? You just, you got it. It's because you've ever watched Drag Race ever. And you got it mixed up with Alaska Thunderfuck. You know, I hate her. But I, I, <laughs> I, I now officially want to use that line on somebody. Do you want to be thunderfucked? And like, what is, what is a thunderfuck though? Like, is that, does that involve like, gas is that why it's a thunderfuck <laughs> like why where's the thunder coming from is the bed on wheels and you're rolling it over cobblestones why is it thunder the thunder is coming from my hips heather so it is a gas thing <laughs> is there is, is there like do you have tacos first is that how this works out no i have my probiotic drink for a reason <laughs> Keep it clean, you know? Uh, oh, man. Peak podcasting. We sure did just make a bunch of sex fart jokes. <laughs> Gas smells anyway. like cranberry juice because it's cranberry flavored. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, Thanksgiving Thunderfuck. Good job. <laughs> cranberry Thunderfuck. That's the name of our next drink. That is your drag name. Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> cranberry Thunderfuck. <laughs> uh anyway god all right what what is he what does he think is going to thunder strike her what's he doing well okay so peggy is brought into this insane looking chemistry lab mm-hmm. and she's like um are you here to poison me though she's like smiling at him and like you know all googly eyed at him because hello this because- man is fucking beautiful yes and- even even peggy is not immune to his charms no and he's like, you know, he, he mixes some shit together out of this chemistry set and gives it to her and she drinks it. And she's like, wow, that's like the best tasting wine ever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ew. Uh, and so this guy. Starts, Why are you like, ew, he made wine. Out of chemicals? Ew. It's through the magic and power of his charm. He charmed the science into, <laughs> into making good wine. Okay. Oh my god, the smile on this guy. Okay, hey, real quick. Um his name is not we will find out his actual name later because seriously, she goes through like a half an hour flirting with this man and never gets his name. And I'm um, fine. I was fine with this. Right. I'm yeah. I'm like I I feel that I have never identified with Peggy harder <laughs> in my life than on this. But gorgeous black wine genius genius man. We will find out uh in a little while his name is Dr. Jason Wilkes. Mm-hmm. And he is played by Reggie Austin. 
We love Reggie Austin. Reggie Austin is a beautiful man, um, but he's been in a lot, a lot of TV. Uh, he was in The Starter Wife. He was in Pretty, Li- Pretty Little Liars. Uh, and he was also, Chris, in two episodes of your favorite show, 911. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know who he played or what he did. I just saw that it was 911. And I was like, oh, Chris needs to know. <laughs> Would you like to know about Jason Wilkes, the comic book character? Yes. Yeah, Is he so also a beautiful black man with a thousand watt smile? Jason Wilkes. No, let me show you. Uh, let me show you a, uh, a picture of him, Heather. Show me a picture. Uh, not what you were, you'd expect. Where, where is this? I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. Facebook. I'm looking. I'm looking. Jason Wilkes on Earth 616. Is this Earth 616? No, we're, uh, uh, the MCU is like Earth 1099, some shit like that. So I don't, what? So he's, he's an old, old white man with crazy eyebrows and a handlebar mustache. Correct. Uh, he uh, debuted in a comic book, Tales of Suspense, number 25, that came out in September 1961. He was oh. a greedy scientist whose experiments went awry and he accidentally turned himself invisible. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right. I like this one better. I do too. This one's much better. Yeah, so Earth 616 is in reference to like one of the main timelines of uh, comic books. Okay. And we've talked about this before, how fucking confusing it is to keep track of all this bullshit because there's Earth 616 and the MCU is like Earth, I don't know, 10,099. I don't know. I don't, know. I don't give a fuck. Uh, we've only and, got a fucking MCU podcast. We should probably figure that one out. And we're an MCU podcast, <laughs> not a Earth 616 or any of that bullshit podcast. And for those of y'all that are into comic books, I'm so sorry. I know we're trampling on your nerdy stuff, and I'm, I love y'all for your nerdism. Um, it, I just care about the movies and the fucking TV shows. So that's that's where my that's where my bias comes from. <laughs> and it is a bias. And it I is a bias. It, it is yeah. a bias. Yep. Okay. Okay. Anyway. So, moving on with the good Jason Wilkes, the pretty one, the one that makes wine. Uh, he's super, <laughs> super charming. And Peggy's like, that's great. You're being charming and flirting. I'm going to show you a picture of a dead woman and ask if you know her. Right. <laughs> and like he and he does, though. He identifies her as Jane Scott, a particle physicist who works at Isodyne and is rumored to have had a love affair <gasps> with Calvin Chadwick, the owner of Isodyne. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, now, Jason Wilkes, Dr. Dr. Wilkes, uh, did not... He wasn't comfortable with sharing that gossip. He was kind of adorably hesitant about it, but it was that he still told, you know, because, hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, they, yeah, they get chased out of there. Uh, the receptionist, apparently, uh, Sousa's charm wore off on the receptionist because she comes and finds them, drags them out, gets Dr. Wilkes in a little bit of trouble. Yep. But it's okay. Uh, and did you see how smooth he was in trying to get Peggy's number? Uh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> she is super flustered while he's like, hey, uh, here's my business card. Um, you, you know, if you have any more questions about this big, important case that you're working on, give me a call. And um, let me give you my personal number. Oh, uh, very well. Maybe I should have your number as well. Yeah, I, I, and Peggy doesn't know what to do. She just knows that the detective and Sousa are watching right now. And this is very uncomfortable. I love it. And I love her. 
So yeah, uh, they move on from that. They get back to the SSR. Um, and now that you t- mentioned that it's the same set as the New York SSR, I can't unsee it. I'm sorry, I ruined it for you. <laughs> <laughs> it really is just the same exact set with better lighting and different props. I That's know. it. God damn it. Anyway, um, the next line in my notes is, seems kind of non-secretor, help me bridge this gap. It says, this fucking LA detective calls Peggy sweetheart. Yeah. That, no, uh, so yeah, uh, uh, Detective Henry is there. Uh-huh. And he's all, hey, sweetheart, blah, 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 like a pig. Like, you know, you would expect him to be at least, right? Um, right. So they, uh, they explain, uh, Peggy explains that this Chadwick person is a, b- was boning an employee and the detective is really fucking paranoid all of a sudden. He's like, you shouldn't go after him. He's running for Senate. He's a very respected business person. You really shouldn't right, do that. Yeah. He's like, he's like, you don't know the rules in L.A., sweetheart. Uh, we don't do this. You know, yeah. if you if you do try to go after him, if you go straight after Chadwick, they're going to crucify us in the press. Right. And the press in L.A. is everything. Well, yeah, but Peggy doesn't give a fuck. Nope. Doesn't she give doesn't a fuck give at all. a fuck. Nope. Um, but yeah, he wants to just go to the press and use his contacts there and not press the point. And Peggy's like, Chadwick is going to be at the horse races today. I know where he's going to be. I want to go talk to him. And this is where we see why Sousa is the chief here. Because he's like, Peggy, hang on. Detective, that sounds good with the press stuff. Absolutely run with it. And so the detective scurries out of the room, feeling like he won there. And Peggy looks at Sousa like, what the fuck was that? And Sousa just hands her some money and tells her to place a bet for him at the horse races. (laughs) And she's like, uh-huh. And so, yeah, he, he managed both of them. They both have permission to go do what they want to do. And Sousa gets them both out of his fucking office. So there they go. Uh, Oy vey. Um, and then, uh, Peggy needs a ride, I guess. So she, she's at, uh, she's at Howard Stark's place where we see Bernard, the devil in pink, <laughs> as Jarvis refers to him. And we finally meet Mrs. Jarvis. Yes, not what I expected at all. Oh, she's not what Peggy expected either. Right. Anna Jarvis, shit, I didn't write this down. Ooh, you don't know who she is, do you? I am about to know. I can't believe I didn't write this down. Because I fucking love her. Hold on, hold on. I'm getting there. Okay. Uh, Anna Jarvis, the lovely, talented, effervescent, colorful, sweet, charming Anna Jarvis. Is played by Lottie Verbeek. Lottie Verbeek is a Dutch actress, so the whole Dutch thing, because that's Anna in the the whole story that Jarvis told last season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She is Dutch. She was a, a a Jewish lady who was Dutch, and they fell in love in the whole war. Anyway, um, let's see, let's see, let's see if I can see what else she's been in. Uh Every- she was on the blacklist. Uh, as who? Katerina Rostova. Stop reading. Why? Just stop reading. I've seen the blacklist. The whole thing? Enough of it that I don't care about being spoiled on the blacklist. Okay, so you know that that's the... I know this name. I've seen it before. I've seen... She's Masha's mom. I've seen all of yes, that. Yes, okay, yes. Okay, 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 yes. Okay. Okay. Katarina Rostova. Yeah. I never I never had a conversation with you about like where you stopped in that show, so I was like, oh my god. No, I know the name. And uh apparently she materializes. But anyway, yeah. Oh, she yeah. she was on the, she was on the blacklist. Uh she was on Outlander for a while, apparently. Oh. 
I've never yeah. seen that show, so I don't know her. It's <laughs> I I watched some of it, and I I watched it right up until the part it got real rapey, and then I was done. Ew. Um. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yes, that is Lottie Verbeek. She is playing Anna Jarvis, and she even knows Anna Jarvis is is even knows that she is not what anybody would expect to be married to Jarvis. Nope. What's that look? Uh, I don't know. I suppose I was expecting someone more like Mr. Jarvis. And a girdle. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, basically. But. <laughs> I love her. Because Peggy didn't pack for getting dressed up to go to the races, uh, Anna is putting together outfits for her. And also, she sewed her a thigh garter for a single shot pistol. I love her. And now we're best friends. Right. At first, Just Peggy like was like, wait, a garter? And then she was like, that's a holster. And Peggy's like, oh, my God, I love you. <laughs> oh, my God, you're the best. <laughs> and she's right. We love Anna Jarvis. She's amazing. She is the cutest, sweetest ever. Oh, and when Jarvis, she's like sending Jarvis out of the room, he starts to walk away. She's like, oh, no, Mr. Jarvis. And calls him back and gives him a giant, embarrassing kiss right in front of Peggy. Yeah. <laughs> and Jar- Jarvis is like. She's an embarrassing creature. It was really cute. Aww. Just the best. What a dick. (laughs) So, uh, we're off to the races. Yes. Yeah. In Santa Ana, California. Because that's where the races are. Okay. Is that relevant to the show? Oh, well, they actually filmed it there on location. Okay. (laughs) Um, This was also during a really unfortunate time. Actually, it's still a problem. still happening. Uh, A lot of horses have been mysteriously passing away every single year at this facility. It's a very bad fucking place. Oh no, horse part. racing is fucking awful. Yeah, and I It's it's goddamn awful. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking horrible. But anyway, it's mm-hmm. very popular especially in the 40s. So here we are. Yeah. Well, and it's because it's not just about the betting. It is also a a very public, very social event. Um and it's where Calvin Chadwick, who is going to be running for Senate, is there to to glad hand and and meet people and kiss babies and stuff like that. Like you do. Yeah. And so uh, Jarvis and Peggy in a, a really cute red dress, by the way. Like, she looks amazing. It is making the most of her already pretty fucking glorious cleavage. Um, it's just, it's a good dress. It's a distractingly good dress. And she uses that to her advantage because there they see Calvin Chadwick and Jarvis is like, oh, and his wife, Whitney Frost. And Peggy has no idea who that is. Right. Cause Peggy doesn't know anything about pop culture. Well, yeah, she doesn't watch movies. Right. She doesn't have, she has, and Jarvis is like listing off all of Whitney Frost's movies because Jarvis is a fangirl, apparently. <laughs> and, and Peggy's like, I don't, I don't, I don't know who that is. But so Whitney Frost is a movie star. Calvin Chadwick is the, is a, a rich man who wants to run for office. They are a match made in heaven. Uh, so these actors, real quick, Calvin Chadwick is being played by Curry Graham and you've seen him. Oh, yeah. He's everywhere. He's that guy villain. Villain he's, edition. He's, he's that guy bad guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, he's been in NYPD Boo. Boo? NYPD <laughs> Boo. NYPD <laughs> Boo? <laughs> NYPD Blue. Well, so what happened was I started to say NYPD Blue, and then my mind went, Jimmy Smith's. And so Boo came out. <laughs> because Jimmy Smith's and his cheekbones is my Boo. Mm-hmm. Love him. Anyway, NYPD Blue. Desperate Housewives, Westworld for a few episodes, and Heather, have you seen Reacher? Uh, I have not, but I'm told it's pretty fun. Oh my god. You need to see Reacher. 10 out of 10. Do recommend. Oh wow. Uh, 
Yeah, no, it's so fun. And yeah, he is, he's a bad guy in Reacher. Uh, oh, but no, the, the lead, the lead actor in Reacher, like, he's just, he's a, a big. Oh, I've seen, I've seen his pictures on uh, Pornhub. Beautiful pile <laughs> of muscle. I. Yeah. It's a good show. But on top of that, it's a good show. Okay. <laughs> is, there, is there a story or? <laughs> there is. And it's, it's decent. Like, it's a really, uh, I was very entertained. It's, a, it's very much popcorn. Just keep watching, keep watching. It's, it's built for binging. Anyway, 10 out of 10. Go watch Reacher after you're done watching this. Okay. Um, anyway, so that's Calvin Chadwick, played by Curry Graham. Whitney Frost is played by Wynne Everett. Mm-hmm. Wynne Everett, uh, is, Awesome. I love her. And when you hear her talk. Now I'm intrigued. Oh my God. She's that kind of Hollywood star. Yeah, for sure. This is not a simpering ingenue starlet. She's got, she's got this wonderful, rich, grown up, mature ass woman voice. I love her. She, she is serving me mommy dearest. <laughs> but like without the, without the being terrifying just yet. Although she's fucking scary. Uh, I, by I, the end of this yeah, episode. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, she was in the newsroom. She was in This Is Us. Uh, and she's apparently in a season of Doom Patrol I haven't seen yet. Oh, I haven't seen she's Doom playing... Patrol at all. <laughs> oh, my God. You would love it. Um, she's playing a character named Shelley Byron, a.k.a. The Fog. I don't know. That's hilarious. I, just, I don't know, but I need to watch Doom Patrol right now. <sighs> anyway, uh, so, yes, we are going to be approaching Calvin Chadwick and Whitney Frost. Yay. Would you like to know more about Calvin Chadwick? In oh my a, god, in a, in a comic, are these, in a are these fucking comic book characters? Uh, well, uh, technically. So, Calvin Chadwick is believed to be a combination of two comic book characters. Calvin Burlingame and Hesperus oh. Chadwick. Uh, oh wow. They're both part of a society called the Secret Empire. A group oh. of people who want to re- uh, restore aristocracy across the United States and then the world. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, Calvin Burlingame, whatever, he he debuted in Thunderbolts number 19 in October 1998. He is just Mm -hmm. a con man, has no superpowers whatsoever. His superpower is being rich. And um, (laughs) Hesperus Chadwick, kind of the same thing. Uh, He debuted in Captain America number 195, December 1975. Apparently, uh, there have been elitist assholes in the Marvel Universe, no matter which one, uh, since the beginning of time. There you go. Oh, and let's also talk about uh, Miss Frost, a.k.a. Madam Mask. <laughs> okay, so before before we get into this, Uh-oh. y'all, okay, Chris has never watched Agent Carter. No. Okay? This is his first time through it. But the problem with that is there are certain things that he just can't avoid and still do research for this show. Yeah. And But the saddest fucking thing, he messages me and he's like, okay, so I I fell down a Whitney Frost rabbit hole and I was like, no. Yeah. Stop. Stop, 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 stop. <laughs> Don't spoil this. Don't spoil the Whitney Frost of it all. But oh well. Uh, so what? Let me show you, the, pic- you... the picture on why I, th- I went down that rabbit hole. Oh, yes. Do show. This is the comic book version of her. Hold on, I gotta click on it. Oh my. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> She's that, fucking hot. Yeah, that doesn't happen in this show. I know. Uh but anyway, she she's straight up a supervillain. Uh she made her debut in Tales of Suspense number ninety eight in nineteen sixty eight um as Whitney Frost, and then she returned a year later as Madame Mask uh to fight uh Iron Man. She generally oh. fights Iron Man or 
uh, fucks Iron Man, depending which comic book you read. <laughs> a little of both. Uh, or sometimes both. Porque no los dos. Um, yeah, her uh, her superpower kind of has varied uh, through the years, but she generally uh, turns energy into ice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, apparently, Wen Everett, uh, who is, of course, playing Whitney Frost here, is also voicing Whitney Frost in the Avengers Assemble cartoon. That's awesome. Yeah. But she is Whitney Frost, Madam Mask, in that one. Okay, so uh, do you have any more information about the comic book versions of these characters? Uh, no, uh, Madam Mask apparently is a big deal character. Uh, she will later be part of the House of M uh, comic book uh, story, which I am told is a big deal. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Magneto's oh. in it. That's kind of hot. But that's about all. That's about all I'm going to go into with those characters. Okay. Uh, but basically, these two are based on comic book characters directly. Uh, from uh, Avengers storylines, essentially. Okay. Boom. So uh, they move in. Jarvis and Peggy move in to talk to them. They they need to separate these two. So Jarvis steps up to Whitney and he's like, hi, I represent Stark Pictures. I want to talk to you about being in movies. And like, we realized pretty quickly that that's as far as he thought through that gambit. Yeah. Uh, but he pulls Whitney aside so that Peggy can go all American accent charming on Chadwick. Yeah, she uses that accent you were telling me about, uh, the radio accent. Uh-huh, yeah. the the uh, transatlantic accent, yeah. that one. The the neutral movie star in the 40s accent, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, she's like, oh my god, I'm totally flirting with you, and ha-ha-ha-ha-ha, and oh. But just the other day, I was uh, extolling your virtues to a dear friend of mine, uh, Jane Scott. Dun-dun-dun. Particle physicist Jane Scott, do you know her? And like... Calvin Chadwick was super into this conversation with this beautiful girl and staring down her dress until she dropped Jane Scott's name. And all of a sudden, he doesn't want to talk to her anymore. Right. Yeah, it should be noted, like, like in the very beginning, when they first see uh, Miss Frost and Chadwick, um, that uh, Fro- uh, Whitney Frost was not happy being there. It was very apparent that she wasn't comfortable faking she's liking her husband it. and all that kind of shit. Yeah, no, she's tolerating yeah, it. Yeah, she's tolerating it. She's got that white lady smile. Yeah. She has said, I'm a politician's uh, wife, and even though I know my, my husband's a dick. Yeah. Yeah. That's, there's obvious simmering tension, but like they're also obviously covering it. Right, okay. right. Um, but basically, she tells Chadwick that Jane Scott is dead. Chadwick gets all pissy with her and says, you know what? I don't actually have to talk to you because my company, Isodyne, uh, has a lot of very top secret government contracts. So until you come back uh, with government clearance with your little SSR bullshit, I'm not saying shit to you. Wah, and wah. they leave. Yeah. So, oops, you actually can't intimidate this guy, Peggy. I'm so sorry. That's not going to work today. You got to rethink this. So, but we're moving. And again, like, I know it's like almost an hour and a half into this podcast right now, but this episode goes boom, 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 boom. It is so stuff. fucking so fast. Uh, so there's my, a lot. My criticism of this show uh, ma- ma- is maintained times two in this episode. There's so much. Shit. Yeah. It's so much. They just, again, they're rushed though. Like you you said at the beginning, but they thought we, they were getting a full season, but they got not. 10 episodes. They plan, yeah. they plan for, I think they plan for a 20 episode season and they're like, no, you're getting 10. Yeah, so they had to double up on everything. Yeah. Everything had to happen super fast, which makes things feel a little inorganic, a little rushed, but whatever. Here yeah. we go. Yeah. Uh, so they've got to go to the to see the medical examiner to finally get the autopsy report. Hooray. Uh, they show up. It is Sousa and Peggy and uh, the other guy, the detective Henry. Uh, and they go in there, but oh no, the medical examiner 
is, is frozen. Dun-dun-dun. They tap him on the shoulder. He literally shatters into a thousand little frozen bits. <gasps> Uh-oh. Okay, but before we can explore that any further, we're back in New York. <laughs> right? <laughs> so back yeah. in New York, Thompson is trying to interrogate Peggy. Peggy? Dottie. 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 <laughs> Dottie would be really flattered to hear that I got their names mixed up. Right. So, yeah, so Thompson's trying to intimidate Dottie. In fact, he does, he tries to pull the same shit that Peggy pulls. He is trying to give her this whole speech about how, you know, uh, his boss used to do this routine that uh, he would be the carrot, he would be the stick. And He's got thing. the fucking carrot and stick there. Yeah. He's trying, like, because remember they did that last season. Yeah. They used a literal carrot and a literal stick for the imagery uh, of talk to us or Thompson's going to beat the shit out of you. Uh, he's trying to pull that on Dottie, and Dottie's looking at him like, oh, you are so cute. Yeah, so, you know, Thompson's trying to suggest that now that there is no uh, Agent Dooley, uh, or Chief Dooley, that he is unleashed, and he takes her off her handcuffs, and the tables are turned. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. Literally. Uh, yeah, so uh, she picks up, Dottie picks up the table to choke <laughs> Agent Thompson. And I was she like, yes! It. She <laughs> flips that table up in his face, pins him to the floor by his throat with the edge of the same table that Peggy used as a battering ram uh, last season. So I'm going to go ahead and call this a ding on the uh, uh, impromptu for sure. weaponry for counter. Sure. What are you going to tell me? You're too easy. We need Peggy. We need Peggy. Yeah. And then some agents rush into the room and pull her off of him. <laughs> Fuck you, Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, anyway. meanwhile, back in LA. <laughs> I know. Like, God damn. <laughs> Real quick, back to LA. Okay. Uh, so apparently Peggy called Jarvis and had him fetch Dr. Wilkes. Right. To come to the lab and and see what has happened here. Jarvis takes one look at a shattered man and has to go throw up somewhere. Yep. Because you poor Jarvis. Yeah. <laughs> uh and Dr. Wilkes agrees to test some samples, so that's good. Uh meanwhile, the detective is trying to get a drink of water from the water fountain. Yes, and when, once his lips touch the water, the entire sink freezes. Ba 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 ba. Dun dun dun. Oh. No, the cold thing is contagious because the medical examiner caught it from the body. And now Detective Henry also is freezing things. What could it possibly be? Okay. Right. Sousa, if we cut back to Sousa and Peggy are having a little private chat about what the medical examiner was able to get onto his report before he froze to death. Um, which was that Jane Scott did not die of her stab wounds. The stab wounds are post-mortem. Right. She died from some kind of toxin. Uh-oh. So the stab wounds and the shoes being switched were done after she was dead. And if only the cops and the killer knew about the shoes, who could have done this? Um, where's Detective Henry? <gasps> and meanwhile, Henry steals the lab guy and... He, the, the... he kidnaps Dr. Wilkes. Beautiful, beautiful Dr. Wilkes. And the chase is on. <laughs> <laughs> and like, but legit, how how noir is this? I love it. Like, I love yeah, it. Yeah, he's he's holding him at gunpoint. He's, the Dr. Wilkes is like, why are you? Okay, but we'll get to that. They're not even talking yet. Nope. We just know that he's got him. Okay. And he's taking him into the car. Oh, he's telling him, you're going to fix me. Yeah, And yeah. he's forcing him into a car. Okay. Yeah. Back in New York. <laughs> Back in New York. What the fuck? <laughs> 
We're sitting at the table. Dottie's handcuffed now. Thompson has given up on that little pipe dream. Uh, And Thompson is obviously out of his league. And I think he's realizing that he's obviously out of his league. And he's like, God, I wish Peggy was here. (laughs) Right. But And you know he's thinking it and he's hating himself for thinking it. Yeah. A hundred percent. And Dottie's like, look, you need to make a deal. That's how these things work. Right. And she somehow tricks him into offering her jail time instead of an execution if she spills about why she was going to steal that lapel pen. Yep. But before they're able to get deeper into that, the the door swings open and the dad from that 70s show shows up. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And I'm like, huh? <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, that <laughs> you're a hundred percent correct. That is Kurt Wood Smith, the guy who plays Red Foreman in that '70s show and that '90s show. Yeah. Uh, he. I don't think we actually say his character's name in this episode. Uh, no, they do. Uh, Vernon. Vernon Masters. Yeah. Okay. So that is Vernon Masters. He's with the FBI. Yeah. And the FBI Twist. is here to to take custody of Dottie Underwood. Which is for the best, right? He's because he never plays a villain. Ever. No, never, ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> and uh, Thompson's like, what the fuck? Yeah. But before we can look into that any further, we are back in L.A. God, where, um, oh, by the way, Detective Henry totally punched Jarvis in the face. Oh, right, right. And busted up his nose. Because as Sousa is driving around trying to find the detective's car, and like you can hear sirens as other cops have been depo- deployed to the area to help find this detective who has taken a doctor hostage, um, Peggy's in the back seat helping Jarvis with a handkerchief on his nose. <laughs> and Jarvis is like, is it broken? Uh, because is he concerned about it for himself? No. no. His wife loves his profile. There it is. <laughs> he doesn't want the, a broken nose to ruin it. That's so cute. I'm so glad that we have Anna Jarvis now. I know, right? It's just the fucking cutest thing. Anyway. Um, so, but they find the detective's car, yeah? Yeah, and the car is completely frozen over, which, oh my god. <laughs> what the fuck's going <laughs> how, how is this working, exactly? Um, I so, don't know. So, uh, so Peggy's like, okay, we're going to have to go after him, after them. Jarvis, you need to sit here with the car. Here's my gun. She hands him the small gun. <laughs> she reaches up under her skirt, which, Susan, did you see? He has to glance away real quick. Right. Because because Peggy's fishing around for a thigh garter, and like, that is... I We all want to look, but it's off camera. Right. Anyway... Uh, and thank you, TV show, for having that happen off camera because a lesser show would have wanted the camera to follow her hands down to her skirt to lift it up and watch her pull this thing out of her thigh holster. Right. So I really appreciate that we didn't actually objectify Peggy's thighs in that moment. Yeah, I think. <laughs> but I also wouldn't have minded. I know. I'm like, like for uh, me personally. But I get it's good. We're being respectful. Yeah, okay, being God. Respectful. Re- Re- respectful. I would have looked respectfully. Right. She's a beautiful Same. woman. She's an absolutely beautiful woman. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, Jarvis, who spent all last season trying to get Peggy to give him a fucking gun anytime ever, he's got a <laughs> he gives gun. Him the one shotgun. <laughs> she, he gets. He gets. He gets a single shot pistol and a flashlight, and he he's takes these things in his hands and he looks at her and says, I shall be a beacon of justice. Oh my God. <laughs> I love him. By the way, he's C-3PO still. Oh, yeah, he's the for best. Sure, for sure. Anyway, anyway, so we've got the detective walking Dr. Wilkes 
along like a an alley. Where where in LA are we now? Chris? Okay, so we're under one of the very famous uh, bridges that connect uh, downtown LA to one of the suburbs right outside of downtown LA. Uh, I love how you've described almost every location in LA as being famous. Like even I mean, it pretty the much places is. in LA but the, are fucking the, stars here. The the architecture design, uh, the Art Deco design of these bridges is classic noir. Um, it, these bridges so in particular pretty. have been featured in a, a who's who list of classic noir movies and and television production shows through the entire 20th century. Um, yeah, and yeah, I mean, it's it's a legit famous bridge. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm making fun of you a little bit, but only a little bit because you've, right. you've seen these bridges in multiple movies. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, like it. It might as well be like the fucking canals where they did the the drag races in Greece, like those fucking riverbeds. Or those whatever. are that's actually uh, funny. You mentioned that Th- those canals are right next to where they are. I, I believe it. Yeah. It, it looks familiar. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so we're getting a little like villain, a pseudo villain monologue moment because Dr. Wilkes is like, look, we're nowhere near a laboratory. I can't fix you without a lab. Why are we here? Right. This doesn't make any sense. But the detective is on monologue mode. And so this is where we find out that Detective Henry is corrupt. He uh, has a side gig as a freelance cleaner. Uh, where rich people will hire him to take care of problems. And one of the problems that he was hired to take care of was Jane Scott's body. Yep. That it was his job to get rid of the body. And, well, he also was annoyed because his Lady in the Lake killer task force got, uh, the funding got gutted, so he couldn't catch his killer. So he used Jane Scott's body to fake another victim of the Lady in the Lake killer to try and keep his funding for his task force. Yep. Which is okay. It's a little, little convoluted. A little convoluted, yeah. But all right. But we'll go with it. Um. Sure. But right about then, the cops have arrived. There are shots fired. Peggy tackles Wilkes away from Detective Henry and slams him up against a wall. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Good job. You did it. That is that is the correct way to save that man. <laughs> chest it, to chest, right it, up against a wall. And he's like, hi. <laughs> yeah, so she grabs the lab guy and then she radios in, do not fire. We need the guy alive. Yes. No guns, no guns. Oh, my God. No guns, no guns. For fuck's sake. And uh, they finally get to um, Sousa. Sousa is the one who finds Detective Henry, but Ke- Peggy catches up. And uh, the detective is freezing. Like, we can, you can see ice starting to creep over his face. Right. And he is in the process of freezing. And also the gun he's pointing at Sousa is frozen. So he does, it looks like he does try to pull the trigger, but it doesn't work. Ugh. It's a very tense moment. Yeah. And they're like, will you? Okay, look, you're freezing to death right now. We can totally get you some help, but you got to tell us what's going on. And the detective says, I can't. They won't let me. And they say, they who? And then suddenly a shot is fired. It hits the detective and he shatters. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. And Peggy's like, I said no guns. And she turns to the cop who shot, and the cop is, he's this young guy, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I left my radio in the car. I didn't hear that. Yeah, okay. Okay. Sure, Jan. Sure, Jan. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, back in New York. <laughs> meanwhile, back in New fucking York. I can't. Uh, I can't. FBI guy and Thompson are at a bar, and apparently FBI guy, Vernon Masters, is an old friend of the family. Right. And he got Thompson this job at the SSR in the first place. And then he breaks uh, the news to Thompson that times are changing. Uh, yep. The SSR was a war department, and mm-hmm. the entire law enforcement and Department of Defense is going to start getting reshuffled since the war is over. Right. And the SSR may be a dinosaur. 
And this is actually kind of based on real life because after yeah. World War II, we did reorganize our Department of Defense to, you know, adjust with the times. We were going to go into the Cold War. We were going to have mm-hmm. to deal with smaller conflicts now and also spend, invest more in technology, not just like uh, have a lot of soldiers and stuff. So, that's, yeah, that's well, true. and and it the we we reorganize every time the world paradigm shifts right? right so then you know you get through the cold war and everything but then 911 right and do you remember do you remember sidebar uh so 911 happened and we're all reeling and those of you who have listened to this podcast and not the other one uh dark side divas maybe you don't know uh chris and i were actually hanging out we were together on 911 we watched it all go down on tv yeah we were going to go to class that day we, we skipped class we skipped and class. chris chris happened to turn on a tv and like we started watching before the second plane hit we yeah. watched that all go down yeah um in college but do you remember how terrifying it was the first time you heard the words department of homeland security oh yeah i remember that like what, what in is, the what are we fuck? doing homeland what? security yeah homeland or why don't we just call it the fatherland while we're at it? Homeland security? Yeah. How fucking paranoid and nationalistic can you be? Homeland security. It is such a ubiquitous term now, but at the time it was like, um, what direction are we going? Right. Are we turning into a police state or something? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, kind of a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, like the Patriot Act followed shortly, da- shortly after mm-hmm. shit like that. It was. It was a scary time. And all of that is just normal now. But at the time, that was fucking shocking. But that's part of the reorganization. Whenever uh, the world paradigm, whenever a conflict ends or a new conflict begins, war departments and everything get shuffled around in the government. And so that's what Vernon Masters is giving Thompson a heads up about now. And he's like, you know... You should really be focused on your ambitions and where you want to go. And you've got to ask yourself, do I want to be the former chief of the SSR or the current muckety-muck of the next big thing? Dottie Underwood was attempting to steal from some very powerful men who have even more powerful allies. Like who? The important thing is, you stopped her. And those men, they know you did. The powerful men. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah, I mean, it's not like there are superheroes running around and aliens attacking New York yet, so S.H.I.E.L.D.'s not really a thing. Yeah. You know? It's not really necessary yet. Yeah. Uh, we don't have, like, interplanetary threats yet. We'll see that after we're done with Agent Carter and we get into Captain Marvel uh, with how that all comes around. But yeah, there's yeah. not... There's not... Yeah. Anyway. Um, and also, Peggy Carter hasn't founded S.H.I.E.L.D. yet. Right, which we're never still gonna, just, which we're never going to see. We're not going to get to see happen on screen, which I'm angry about. Yeah, God damn it. Anyway, Vernon Masters is like, play the long game, okay? Take your time, and also I'm taking Dottie Underwood away from you. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, meanwhile back, back- in LA. <laughs> Meanwhile, back in L.A., um, we're in the aftermath of the scene. Uh, Dr. Wilkes is having a sit down because he's had a bit of an evening. Peggy comes over to check on him, see if he's okay. Uh, and he is so goddamn charming because he straight up does what Susan never had the balls to do for an entire fucking season. He asks her out on a date. I want to thank you properly for saving my life, Agent Carter. That's not necessary. How about dinner and dancing? Wilkes asks her out, just straight up asks her out to dinner and dancing. And, you know, Peggy's obviously flattered, but she's like, yeah, no, sorry. You're still a person of interest in the investigation. I don't date you. I don't date persons of interest. 
<laughs> right. And he's like, okay. But it's nice to know you find me interesting. Woo. Mm. And sir. And you know what, though? Okay, so it's 1947. And that is a black man who just asked a white woman out on a date. Yeah. And we don't address that. Uh, yeah, but it's still, it's because he's so hot. <laughs> it's, well, yeah, and I'm I'm fine with the fact that we don't address it. Um, I, Heads up, it does come up a little bit later in the season. Oh, really? Okay. Well, Because yeah. we will keep seeing him because he's so pretty. Oh, but, yeah. But it, it's, there's, there's no escaping that. And they cast a black man in this role deliberately. And I feel like they missed an opportunity to address that more. Huh. You know, oh, okay. but, but we'll see that as the season unfolds. Maybe I'm misremembering, but, um, also I, you know, thank you, Peggy, for being obviously tempted and being in no way dissuaded by the color of this beautiful, beautiful man's skin. Mm-hmm. God, he's charming. Mm-hmm. It's not just that he's, he's very attractive. He's just so smooth and that, so smiley and yeah. just, oh, he's oozing charisma. I love him. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Sousa. <laughs> you yeah. have competition. I mean, I'll you have take competition. Them both. I'll take them both. I know, yeah. like, por qué no dos dos? But <laughs> he has competition, not just in in Peggy's heart, but in mine. Oh, so there you go. Okay, so after that, oh my God, we get a scene <gasps> where we start to see how far the web of corruption spreads in it, L.A. today. Yes, it turns out that young cop guy is not just a nerd and a loser that forgets his radio. He is corrupt, too. He drives up and he gets a bunch of cash from Chadwick and Lady Frost. And Whitney Frost. Ah! Yeah, they paid him to shoot that detective. Crazy. Oh my God. And so the cop drives away with his money and Calvin Chadwick is like, you figured out how to fix everything, my dear. And Whitney's like, mm-hmm. And that's the last time we should have to dirty our hands. Hmm? Just because you dirtied other parts of your anatomy. Ooh. Oh. Snap. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so she's, she's fixing everything for him. I think we just found the brains of this operation. I agree. I mean, uh-huh. yeah, I'm like, okay, that's our main villain. And <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> fuck this Chadwick oh. uh, douchebag. <laughs> give me, give me smart, beautiful women all day long. Oh, I, I love this show. <laughs> so anyway, um, we're going to wind down here a little bit. Uh, Peggy lets Susan know that she's going to stick around because I still haven't solved the murder. Right. And then she asks Susan out for a drink. And Susan says no. Susan says no. What? And Peggy's like, uh-huh, okay. <laughs> because this is why she turned down Dr. Wilkes. Because she's here and she's still carrying a torch for Sousa. Yeah. So, okay. And so she watches Sousa. Sousa's like, no, nah, I'm going to turn in. I got to go. And he goes outside and she looks out the window. And what does she see? Sousa walks up to another woman. Another woman? Yeah. A woman whom he smooches. What? He is clearly in a relationship with whoever this woman is. And... Okay. Is there... And he hasn't mentioned it at all? What the fuck? Like, they're familiar enough that she just can swing by, because you can kind of overhear their conversation. She can just swing by because she got off work early. Yeah. And he's like, cool, let's go get some dinner. And like, casual smooch on the street. That's how That's how close these two are. And he never said anything to Peggy. What the fuck? What the fuck, Sousa? Like, I get that it's uncomfortable and you guys had like all of 10 seconds to have a conversation before the detective showed up. But come on now. 
This is obviously something that needs to be addressed. Sousa lost points with me for this. Oh, sir. Is there, oh, is sir. there really, an, Sousa, is there really another woman that could hold a candle to Peggy Carter? I don't fucking think so. Right? What the fuck? I, oh, anyway, we're not done with this episode yet. We nope. have one more creepy little scene. Yeah, so we're back at the electrical plant and we see Wilkes. We're at Isodyne Energy. Now, earlier, I don't know if we mentioned it, earlier when uh, Wilkes identified Jane Scott as somebody who worked in particle physics, he says, I never actually worked directly with her. I work in containment. So we find out what he's containing, kind of. Sort of. He walks in and there's some kind of like container reactor thing and there's like black shit inside of it floating around and doing like weird bouncy shit. Uh, there is a weird moving black blob contained inside like a big jar thing. And he just stands there and stares moodily at it. Mm-hmm. And scene, we're done with the episode. Dun, dun, dun. And that's episode one of season two. Well, well. So aside from all the L.A. of it all, or even including the L.A. of it all, what do you think? Um, so I like this episode, but it was just like too, it, it's too fast. It's bouncing around way too much for me. Um. I'm a little nervous about the rest of the season. Um, we will eventually, to to reassure you, we will eventually condense to one location. Good. We'll it's, bring, it's it, a everything lot. will just focus on LA and we'll quit bouncing back and forth like this. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's of a shit. lot. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. But I feel like they had to lay out the board yeah. with all the pieces. So, and um, again, it, feel, it feels rushed because I think that they thought they had more time to lay out the board. If, yeah, and it feels like they are, this feels like a second pilot. You know, it's not like just a season premiere, but it's like, hey, let's prove ourselves all over again. And they, you know, given the circumstances with which this show had to had to start, they probably felt very much like they had to prove themselves yeah, all and, over again. Yeah, and I can't blame them for that. But like, that's, you know, it's just, there's so much stuff to this one episode. Like, again, you know, it's, it's my only criticism of the show. It's so fast that... You know, it doesn't really mesh well with the noir style that like lets right. lets the scene breathe, and so you know, I'm I'm looking forward. I I love the episode, uh, mm-hmm. I, especially how the episode opened. I was really into the real hot girl shit of it all between Dottie yeah. and Peggy, and yeah. then seeing that continue. And I love Whitney Frost already. Um, right. Um, I I I question the casting choices of of Vernon and Chadwick just because they both are so obviously the bad guys, right? And you know I don't know, but I, I feel like that that was them going to like just like in last season when they went to some like really reliable mainstays in production in TV production, um, and they got some really solid that guys Neil McDonough. You go to him when you need a solid guy, yeah, sure, and also also you know. Dum Dum Dugan, but you know there was some. There was a bunch of that guys in last season as well. Um, they just have slightly bigger that guys now, and yeah, I think they went to them because they knew they'd get the job fucking done, and they would be recognizable faces in the show to help draw attention to it. Right. Right. Like, these are names. These are names in TV. So. So yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. These guys are obviously the bad guy. But. That's not going to stay a mystery for long. Like, by the end of this episode, Calvin Chadwick was paying a cop for murdering another cop. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's very, and it's probably, again, part of the, you know, that they only have so much time to tell the story now. Right. Uh, you know, there's not going to be, I, I know just from reading what happens with uh, Whitney Frost, like, there's not going to be much mystery for much longer. But, you know, I'm, I'm here for the ride. I'm here for the journey. 
I will say I don't think that Whitney Frost's story in this season has much to do with the Madame Mask story. I suspect that's true from what I read. <laughs> but we will see. We will see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do we have anything else for no. episode one, The Lady in the Lake? No. All right. So then next time we will be talking about Agent Carter, season two, episode two, A View in the Dark. Ooh. I'm loving all these noir titles, by the way. Right? Yeah. Like it goes on, A View in the Dark, Better Angels, Smoke and Mirrors. It keeps going and going. I love it's it. So good. I love it. I love so it. So good. Okay. So that's it for today. That is it for today. All right, let's do the outro, shall we? Dun, dun, dun. Let's do it. All right. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate that so much. <laughs> I already said so much. We're going to... We're going to move on. Hey, if you want to hang out with us when we're not being awkward, which is on social media, uh, then you can. Uh, you can find awkward. us on... Shut up, I'm pretending. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, <laughs> and TikTok as at Marvelous underscore Divas, except on Facebook where it's at The Marvelous Divas and I'm still mad about it. Yeah, you can also subscribe to our podcast via your favorite podcast platform. We would really appreciate it if you did. Also, mm-hmm. if you leave us a review, uh, especially a five-star review, we will more than likely read it on the air. Uh, so please do that. Also, please share this podcast with your friends because we really like our audience to grow. Um, <laughs> please. Um, also, we have a... <laughs> Don't do that. Don't please. do that. No, never beg. Never beg. Please. No. Stop. <laughs> Okay. Oh, God. Um, oh, God. <laughs> y'all, I don't know what's going on anymore either. I don't oh, either. No. Um, uh, also, y'all, we have a YouTube channel. Um, we've recently been talking more Star Wars stuff, but I suspect as uh, Doctor Strange approaches, uh, mm-hmm. we're going to get a lot more Marvel-tastic, too. But it's for both of our podcasts, so definitely subscribe to that. Check us out. We just had a really great guest on, on our YouTube channel talking about uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer. And it, the thirst was real in that uh, episode, so it was really fun to tape. The YouTube channel is currently branded as Dark Side Divas because we haven't figured out what else we want to call it, but that's where you can find us. Correct. Okay, okay, that's it. That's it. Okay, we're done. All right, bye. okay, bye! Yeah, so what was the other reason? You said okay. There, you said there were two. There's two reasons. My reasons are twofold. Yeah. Uh, so you're going to judge me, but you're going to love it. So go with me on that this. That was going to happen anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm breathing, yes. I, I fell down a Chad Michael Murray rabbit hole. Uh-huh. <laughs> because come to find out, did you know this? I, I don't know if you did, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. Apparently... Chad Michael Murray has an ongoing action movie bromance with Bruce Willis. What? Yes. No, Bruce I, had Willis. no I, I, I knew nothing about this. I had no idea either. Apparently these movies, he's made one, two, three, four, five movies now with Bruce Willis since 2020. What? Yeah, I'll, I'll get to it. And all of these movies have been released Limited theater and then straight to VOD. 
Like, Aww. like straight, straight. Like if this was if this was the '90s, it would be straight to the blockbuster shelves. These are not they're <laughs> they're not trying to compete. These are not good movies. I watched the trailers; they're terrible. Um, these these movies have been nominated for Razzies. They have got single nice. digit percentages on Rotten Tomatoes. Not that that's any measure of anything, but mm-hmm. still. Uh, so let me <laughs> just a quick rundown of these movies. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> the first one is uh in 2020 called Survive the Night. Um, is about uh, Chad Michael Murray plays a doctor and uh his dad is his old crotchety Bruce Willis dad lives in his house with him with him and his family and some bank robbers or whatever uh get injured in the process of doing their bank robbery and they're like that guy's a doctor let's go hold him and his family hostage for the night and make him stitch us up sure so sure. okay that's the movie all right that's survive the night okay 2021 is survive the game these movies, these movies are unrelated. What? It's the same Bruce Willis, Chad Michael Murray team up. Totally unrelated films. Are they fucking yeah. or something? What's happening? I don't know what's going on. Uh, Survive the Game is like Chad Michael Murray's a farmer and there's like some drug dealers that come to his farm and Bruce Willis is a cop. Anyway, so there's those movies. But that was just like trying out the bromance but now they really like each other a whole lot so they have these other movies that they've made in 2021 a movie called fortress um i really i couldn't tell you what the fuck is going on bruce willis is an old man because he's an old man um he's, but he, he's up there in age now yeah yeah his uh his uh, adult son has come to visit him on what appears to be like a, a retirement home in the jungle i don't know what's going on sure. but underneath why not Underneath this bucolic retirement home setting, there is a super <laughs> secret cyber facility sure. of some kind. Like don't do. know. But what I do know is that Bruce Willis is guarding it and Chad Michael Murray is the bad guy that wants to break in. Okay. Okay. So that's Fortress. But in 2022, they made Fortress Sniper's Eye, which is the sequel. So they're actually doing like, Continuous story now. Uh, same characters, same, I guess, concept. I don't know. I don't care. And neither do they. I promise you. Because Fortress 3 is in pre-production right now. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what happened and to Bruce Willis? I don't know. He looks terrible. He looks like he's half asleep in the trailers. Um, Chad Michael Murray looks like he's having the time of his life, though. He's just chewing all the scenery being the bad guy. Uh, and he's actually really, he's got like a scruffy beard thing going on. Uh, yeah, I've seen pictures it's, of him uh, recently. Yeah, it's kind of nice. It, it's really, it's really nice. <laughs> like, know, uh, oh, damn. Yeah, but fun fact about Chad Michael Murray, he wasn't invited back for the Gilmore Girls revival, even though Tristan is in the sh- is in the show. I'm kind of like, what happened? I think happened? he's probably an asshole. I'm just saying. I, I, think <laughs> like, Lauren, I think Lauren Graham was like, I don't like him. So he's not showing up to set. Well, I, I think he's probably a dick and like, it's, you know, but whatever, whatever he's got going on, Bruce Willis likey.